0: Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Conor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Well, welcome to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast, Austrian edition after the Austrian Grand Prix. 71 laps of the shortest circuit uh, on the F1 calendar. Trevor Long with you, joined by Harry Tucker, Conor McNally still just choosing bikes over cars. And, you know, that's cool because it's basically choosing his job over his hobby. And we're cool with that. But standing in for uh, for Connor this week is Luke King, uh, TCR driver and uh, motorsport guru himself. I mean, we've got an actual racer on the panel here, Harry. I don't know how you feel about that. But, Luke, welcome. Luke. <laughs> Thank
1: you very much, mate. Thank you. That's a great intro. I, uh, I hope you feel okay about having a racer on the podcast. I assume we're all racers because we love Formula 1.
0: Yeah, but you're only, you, you really do it. Harry and I, well, we just think we do it. Harry, are Pretenders. you okay? Are you going to be okay with this, Harry?
2: This brings back some really harsh memories for me of just, so I guess <laughs> I'm going to move to the side for a second here, but basically uh, I used to do a lot of car reviewing, similar to what Trev does, and you'd be at a track day. And you'd be you know you'd be fanging some like Audi R8 or something, thinking you're hmm. the best driver in the world at Phillip Island. And then I remember one time getting in uh, one of, one of Luke's colleagues, another TCR driver who was who was working on the day, and he was going faster than me with one hand and speaking on the radio um, <laughs> while I thought, yeah, and I was shame. The Who was that? Oh, look, I don't want to bring any names into this, um, but I'm sure you can work it out at an Audi day who who was on the Audi teams. Um, I probably can't figure yeah. out. <laughs> so, so, well, so, mate, yeah. look, so, long answer I mean, short, not welcome. You, oh, whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Is this like a bit of an inter-team battle here, kind of like That's Carlos? Fine. No, and... look,
0: here's what I was going to say, Luke. Here's what I'd say. There's a rule. I've worked in radio most of my life, and there's a rule in radio, never take holidays. Uh, Because most most sackings in radio occur while people are on holidays. All I can say is if this goes well, Connor, bad decision. Anyway, the most important thing we we do here, thanks to KO Sports, the EFTM F1 podcast, we have to start with a conversation very quickly about the race itself. Harry Tucker, are you recommending our listeners choose the KO full race replay or the KO Mini?
2: I'm going to say a full race, which I think is probably the first time this season I've done it two races in a row.
0: I think it's the first time almost ever. ever. Luke, <laughs> um, full race or KO Mini? Yeah, look, usually usually
1: I'm a full race kind of guy. Um, I'm pretty dedicated, but I'm going to say the Mini tonight. Well,
0: well, unpack that because I'm, I'm actually with Harry. I... So, and here's how I know. I mean, this is stupid times of night. We often suffer through uh, tiredness, and Harry sometimes doesn't wake up for the end of the race. Um, I came into this oh, doing a one-stopper. one stopper. I'm doing, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing a one stopper <laughs> after the race. Um, I didn't two stop this, and so I expected to be very tired, and I am not. So the fact that I'm awake means it was it was an attentive race. It was a good race. So I'm going to recommend the full race. So um, if you, you uh, like us. Want to re watch the full race? You can just go to chaosports.com.au, sign up. If you haven't got chaosports, you're mad um, because you can watch every single Formula One race, every single Formula One session, all the coverage from Sky Sports, as well as a host of other Formula One shows. And of course, the supercars, all the action there's cricket, there's rugby league, there's a whole stack of stuff going on right now. So they've got you covered, and uh, there's plenty more Formula One still to go this season. So, boys, it was, it was a, a sprint race weekend. So we had the sprint to actually form the grid which was not a bad thing but bad for alonso but let's talk about the start harry i mean it was a pretty cracking start from max he really got off the line well and uh, that se- seemingly set him up for the race
2: it set him up it it sort of set carlos off i mean he literally went off but it sort of it set him off on the wrong foot for the rest of the race and he just sort of he, he was kind of never at the at the front with with charles um, after that and yeah after literally going off but um, Max's start was cracking, and I thought that it was going to be a race where he was just going to run away with it, and we were quickly proven wrong.
0: Luke, do you look at the start of that as a genuine race, and not just as a as a fan like us, and and think about how, how frankly, amazing it is that they can get through you know a full lap like that without any true incidents, apart from really Carlos going wide. It was a it was a pretty clean start for everyone, despite some serious raciness in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I I think um, it was it was impressive to see Carlos actually gain like get back onto the circuit without losing too much. And I think even Martin Brundle commented on the fact that there might have been a, a bit of a, a penalty possibility for for him running wide and then gaining an advantage but Mm. or or at least staying ahead of, of p4 but um but yeah look i mean i think everyone did a really good job but um we were brought undone by that a little bit later on with uh that incident down at turn four
0: and that's my next big question to you um you know we again we observe this stuff but george uh russell and sergio perez come together Perez goes into the kitty litter, um, recovers the car to get into the pits and, and, oh, yeah, and change his wing and things. But George gets a penalty for that. And, Luke, i got to be honest, I would have called that racing incident. And there's been a lot of um, let them race kind of rulings in Formula 1 this year. It felt very much like let them race. Um, Martin was like Perez was ahead. I, I personally didn't think Perez was ahead in any great way. Did you think penalty for George was warranted? Luke? Well, I think
1: based on the fact that they penalised uh, Lewis for, for taking out Albon, I feel like they had to penalise um They had to penalise him for it. Mm. But when you watch the... Like, initially, I was looking at it going, okay, yeah, George is going to get a penalty here based on what we've seen before. But when you actually look at the on-board, to me, you know, George is doing all that he can on the inside to turn into the corner. I don't think he's really pushing out at all. Uh And you look at Perez, he's actually holding quite a tight line up against George and really kind of expecting George to to, you know, keep himself tighter and it's, you know, one, once they accelerate, typical open wheelers, you have this this problem where you can actually overlap wheels other than, you know, otherwise, you know, if you're in a touring car, you just scrape doors and drive past each mm. other, but they interlock and you get sent and you kind of look at it and go, well, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a 50-50 blame. Um, how do you
2: sort of work it out?
0: yeah i don't know what do you think harry do you think racing incident or george rightly penalized
2: i mean it's hard to say it's sort of the precedent was set um as luke said Mm. so it's sort of how do you how do you deviate from that now and it's if that wasn't called then then i think you know i'd be more inclined to call it a racing incident but but yeah precedent set there and then you know we also will see later in the races there was another similar incident and you know another driver also copped that five second penalty so you know, if anything, at least they're, they're consistent, consistent in in mm. this one corner, in this one track, at least.
0: <laughs> you know, I, we we got Oc, we got Oc, Oc on up in P five at this point. What I loved here was uh, Mick Schumacher, racy is all heck. How um, good are the
2: Hasses this weekend? A,
0: and you know, that's really we'll good. get to team stuff, but that that's the, I think they're the standout for the weekend. Oh, but so much just fun. watching Mick. Um, you know, he he raced hard in qualifying and in the sprint, and I think to be honest, I think he really shone there. He um, he was uh, he passed, uh, I think Lewis on lap five or, or, or vice versa. But there was solid raciness, and that was that was what was, I guess, a shot in the arm uh, for for Schumacher. It really feels like Silverstone gave him that shot in the arm, Harry. And I think that that's, I hope, mm. a genuine thing that we're going to see from Mick going forward.
2: Yeah, we've heard I think it was either uh, Martin or Ted was saying that he was chatting to to him earlier in the weekend and and just how confident he felt saying that he's quicker than than Kevin Magnussen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that is anything close to what we've heard come out of his mouth, you know, throughout the season so far. So it'd be really exciting if he sort of gets his mojo and is as quick as Kevin for the rest of the year because the car has pace. Like they they're a you know, a fighty little team. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, um, to, to add, well, sorry, to, to, no, add you're going to that on. as well, um, I think they were saying that um, the Haas's are, are meant to have a couple of sneaky upgrades before the summer mm. break, so there could be, um, yeah, there could be plenty of hope for for Mick during the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And by the way, Daniel was ahead of Lando uh, through lap one, but it didn't. It probably took five or six laps for Lando to get past Daniel. Um and Lando was then kind of in front of a DRS train, which looked like it was gonna kind of hold there for some time. Um and, and and you kind of realize at that point, I don't know that Daniel's really got it on Lando this weekend, but he's he's staying close, and that's really all that mattered. Yeah. Um, especially if you look at the Jesse Yates interview um with Zach Brown. If you haven't seen that, look it up on KO. I'm sure it's there as a standalone to watch. Um where she talked about Daniel and Lando and the relationship. And we put this up at EFGM.com. He, he, she said, is Daniel going to see out his contract? He said, Oh yeah. Um, and then just talked about the expectation. The expectation is that he's going to be close to, to Lando, whether it's in front or behind, but just close. They want them, they want them together. Um, I think the the race showed that, and we'll talk uh, specifically about Daniel a bit later, but I think that was a good start to the race, and it kind of just petered out with points um, because I haven't even run through it yet, but Charles Leclerc in first, Max Verstappen second, Lewis Hamilton on the podium in third, George Russell fourth, Esteban Ocon fifth, Mick Schumacher, Lando Norris, Kevin Magnussen, Daniel Ricciardo, and Fernando Alonso rounding out the ten. Um, Harry, I don't know whether you would consider it this way, but in my notes, I wrote... Um, Charles gets real close to Max on lap 10, sends and fails, tight and close. And then I wrote, one of the great moves on lap 12, turn four, Leclerc has the lead. I mean, that was an unexpected place and way to pass. It was awesome.
2: It was just so sneaky. Like he had the DRS, you know, pulling him down the straight there and then just late break in, Max was not expecting anything. And because Max, you know, Max, and this is what makes him so great as, as much as, um, you know, Lewis and, and the rest of them at the, at the front is his ability to know what's happening around him and, you know, know where to be mm-hmm. when a move like that's happening. And Charles just completely caught him off guard. And, you know, it's sort of, again, like that set the tone for for the rest of the race where it was sort of, a, a, you know, we saw three or four of these little little battles which, which Charles, you know, won. But, you know, in, it was really exciting wheel-to-wheel racing that we have not been seeing in previous seasons.
0: No, and and we'll we'll definitely talk about that because that to me is starting to really shine. And we go back to your comments last race, Harry, about being at a genuine oh, yeah. race circuit. And look, that's that's a critical thing here. This you know, the old A yeah. one ring now Red Bull ring. This is a genuine race circuit. And I don't know about your thoughts on that. That Leclerc move. I think it was turn four, but there was another one later in the race. I feel like it was you know turn six or seven. No, it was Lewis going around yeah. someone in it's like somewhere Lewis, weird. Yeah, Lewis and, and it it was just. Honestly, it, they were they were areas that would not be designated passing zones, but it felt like the the cars and the drivers are able to use a racetrack like this to pass pretty much anywhere they want. Um, it, it looks like a great racetrack, Luke.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. I think the the undulation that you get, and we we you know hear it when you talk about places like Bathurst all the time, like car mm. tracks that have character, give the cars more and the drivers more to deal with. Um, and that pass, like I've got three or four exclamation marks on on my notes from that pass on uh, with Charles and Max because I think it was it was a A nice move like he kind of he took him by surprise i don't i I agree with harry i don't think that max expected it to come but it was a nice little block pass almost like he just got the nose in you know carried speed and you know rotated it late after the apex and um and max really couldn't do anything so and that's really the first time that you have seen max sort of not really have an answer Mm. back this year, yes. um, I know that him and Charles have raced pretty hard before, and Charles, Charles gives it as good as he gets. But, um, you know, I think that's the first time we've really sort of seen a dominant pass on max like that this year.
0: Harry, you're, you're officially on notice. Um, none of us have ever used the term rotate. On the podcast. Um, yeah. It's, it's a very Martin Brundle thing to say, Luke. I'll be honest. It's a very racist thing to say. I, I don't it know is. if that's the driver coaching you just wanting to say something different to people because you don't want to say turn, but... It's no, the same thing as turn, turn, right?
2: right? <laughs> you're going yeah, to have to go to the, the thesaurus throughout this week, so come back with a few new words. <laughs> Look, if if my girlfriend
1: Liz was in this conversation, she would say to you that I was – if she could describe what I was doing right now, I, my hands would be out in front of me mimicking <laughs> a wheel and my, my ass would be the <laughs> rear end of the car rotating yeah, like around like the it.
0: corner. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. So this, this started the pit stop kind of um, mode, uh, ricardo Gasly latifi came in max stopped on pit 14 then we kind of think okay this is a two stopper right now can i take you back to the i don't know pre-show man 45 minutes before the race you know in the pits and they're bringing up the the graphics that show all the predictions that it was all about a one stopper <laughs> this is fastest yep. the fastest way to do this is a one stopper oh you can start on the mediums and go to the hards and you know not not rocket science at no point i mean sorry no at certain points of this race, you're thinking, oh, maybe they're one-stopping and they're two-stoppings. Mate, this was never a one-stopper, Harry. Your thoughts? No, it was
2: really weird. Like you could already see, you know, from the beginning, the guys that had started on the hard tyres were significantly slower than, uh, sorry, were losing their tyre their speeds at a significantly mm. slower rate than what you'd be expecting for a tyre that, you know, that was meant to last, you know, two-thirds of the length of the race. Um, but you know Red Bull was probably the first team to crack onto it bringing bringing Max in super early there, and then you know four or five other cars quickly followed him in. but yeah, it was mm-hmm. never going to be
0: and I think that's an interesting thing Luke, from a uh, uh, a team perspective, you never show your hand right so no no team down the pits would tell anyone that they were their their plan A and B were two stoppers. Um, yeah. Did, do you look at this and think it was ever really genuinely a one stopper, or is it just that the the day was different, the deg was different, and they they switched it up really early in the race?
1: Well I did notice that they were trying to get it out of the, the drivers, um because whoever it was that was interviewing George on the on the pre grid was like, you know, sort of asking him or telling him what his strategy was gonna be and he's like, Oh, you told me this at Silverstone as well And <laughs> it was kinda like it was a little bit awkward. And then, you know, when you and I spoke pre pre podcast I, I said to you, oh, you know, I reckon it's, you know, it's going to be interesting with the two-stopper. And then, like you say, they brought the graphics up and we're looking at one-stop strategies. And I'm like, honestly, I felt like a bit of an idiot because I was like, hang on, have I missed something here? Like, are, they, are we talking one-stop? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was pretty obvious, um, you know, after that first stint that no one was going to be able to even make the hard tyre work for, for a double stint.
0: Yeah, it was after this moment that uh, Hamilton took that beautiful pass in time, in, inside Schumacher um, on Turn 8. Ferrari strategy, it, it seemed like they, their team would be looking at a single stop to try and maintain their position, with Red Bull likely looking at a two-stop. This is still very early in the race. We're still, you know, haven't even hit 20 laps. We had this amazing, I think, one of many amazing moments during the race, but it was the first time I really saw it, where we had Alonso... Uh, Joe Norris and Magnuson all so close together, Harry, that it felt like there had to be a crash, but it, it, it was just great racing.
2: Oh yeah, it was. And then they sort of they end up doing this again towards like towards the end as yeah. well. But yeah, it was, you're looking at them all there and those cars and you sort of had a, a bit of an opinion on certain drivers based on previous incidents and put everything together. And you're like, this is a recipe for disaster. And I think as well, the idea of a safety car probably impacted that, you know, one, two stop idea of a strategy as well, you know, mm. planning for the one stop and then, you know, sort of planning for a second stop that was going to come with a safety car in an mm. instant like this, which, which never came. But, you know, eventually Alonso, I think he went down the inside on, on Zhao um, on turn four on lap 20 something hmm. um and then eventually got past Sonoda and sort of broke it all up but yeah it was, a, it was a great little bit
0: so ferrari stop lap 27 it kind of looks therefore though they are pushing for a single stop max is out front and and at this point luke i'm thinking okay ferrari stopped really late uh, max has stopped on 14 ferrari stopped on 27 they're clearly pushing to try for the for the one stop at that point that's what yeah. i was thinking i don't know about you but yeah, yeah. um it seemed to me that Red Bull's only hope was a full safety car, as Harry just mentioned, because Max might be out front, but he's clearly going to have to stop again. And we all look at the Delta and we go, there's no way he's going to come out in front. So how does that work? Is that hoping and planning for a safety car? That can't be a smart move, but it's in, I guess in some some ways it's the only only play at this point.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe I think Red Bull were always sort of planning for that two-stopper anyway, and so mm. they were just sticking to their strategy that they'd originally gone for. I think the other thing as well that we haven't taken into account here is that I think Red Bull were, uh, were sort of walking wounded from Perez being out in those yeah, opening true. laps. And they weren't
0: able no to defense, really No defence, no rear gunner. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that really affected the way that they ran their race. And I, I kind of look at that first pit stop, or the early stop for Max, and I feel like they just, they kind of forced Ferrari to run into a two-stop as well. Because we all know that Ferrari aren't so good at sticking to their own strategy. And honestly, I was getting a bit worried that they were going to get flustered and not sort of... At least I was sort of thinking that at that point they might pick Carlos with Max, and then just leave, like split the two Ferrari strategies. So when they sort of left them on the same strategy, I was like, "Ooh, this could leave them pretty vulnerable." So um, I, th- yeah. I think when because
0: the Martin talked about that too, he said they might split the strategies just to play it off Red Bull. But I thought when when they went in all in on uh, both drivers, pitting similar times for, for for their stops, it it felt to me like they were just they they just believed strongly in themselves they were talking to carlos at one point about plan e i mean christ almighty how many plans could you have in your head people i mean my son was going do they mean echo is in drive to save fuel i'm like no i mean down the list of letters uh e you know so you've got imagine being a driver to have that many plans in your head for crying out loud that's that's a big call Uh, max uh max has only got a 0.3 second lead leclerc gets him easy on lap 33 Mick finally passes Kevin Magnussen, and that to me is a critical moment, Harry, for Mick Schumacher because he's able to show that he has race pace against an, a a good driver, Harry. Yeah,
2: like he, you know, he, like I was saying before, he he believed he was quicker all weekend. He was saying that, and, and you know, the commentary team was going on about it as well. And then you know, he finally passed it and proved it. And he then, I think, he just had Ocon a, a few seconds ahead of him to try and overtake after that, which. For him to be in that position it was it was huge, and doing that after last weekend and getting his his first points there, like he's he's excitingly on a bit of a run.
0: Mm. Luke, what? what okay, Fernando Alonso went uh, on the right hand side of Yuki Tsunoda down um, down the track into turn, I guess into turn three or four, uh, into turn three, and uh, went fair to come, uh half a wheel on half a tire onto the grass um, with yep. DRS and wagged his finger at you <laughs> as if to say you move me over i mean that if, i'll be honest that felt like harry talking about old mate driving instructor <laughs> driving with one hand and the radio on i mean fernando just has so such big balls and so much skill cuz that can't he's be easy legend. surely
1: he's an absolute legend um yeah i i mean the the fact that he's just got the 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 you know like the the feel for the everything that's going on To be able to look across and be like, "Uh uh-uh, you don't do that to me, and then still passes (laughs) him. (laughs) Like, he is the ultimate showman for for Formula One, and that's what we we love about him. So, yeah, yeah, definitely not easy. And I was even, yeah, I was pretty surprised to see two wheels on the grass. And like you say, DRS open as well. So, like, Mm. risky um and especially with yuki because you kind of don't know what he's going to do
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> the other story of this race harry is uh the track infringements the, the oh, track yeah. limits and to Martin oh. Brundle's pleasure, although he didn't really brag about it because Martin loves, you know, it's it's a white line, that's the racetrack, and I 100% support that. Um, they were so hard throughout this weekend, especially during qualifying, and they maintained that strictness, Harry, all the way during the race. I don't know how many, but it felt like at least three or four drivers got five-second penalties, including Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly. Um, it was solid. You know, Lewis was blowing up about it, but, geez, you know what? Keep it on the black stuff.
2: Yeah, Lewis Lewis is the one who you know, they probably all were blowing up about it and we just selectively hear the radio that that obviously F one is choosing to show us. Um but yeah, Lewis blowing up heaps. Couldn't see it. But what I, I still couldn't quite understand what made like this track different for that compared to another track. They sort of the team sort of tried to explain it about the front wing blocking the view a little bit when when you're going on a certain angle in a corner. And not quite seeing where the track's edges are, but but how come that hasn't been so much of an issue anywhere else yet? Like what makes this track unique in that sense?
0: I think Oh, that's a great question. Do you think, Luke, it's the undulations and therefore the inability to physically see the corner?
2: I was just gonna say, I think because
1: most of these corners, if you look at turns one and three, are mostly uphill. So you've kind of you've got the angle up and then, you know, four Like, there's a a fair few of them that are are downhill as well. And when you're kind of turning across the corner, I can understand how the front wing is kind of going to be in the way there. Um, Yeah, I don't know why Austria seems to do this to us with track limits. And I feel like a strip of grass on the apron would fix everything Mm -hmm. because there's no traction on it. But then you can still run across it if you have a massive moment. Well, you control. know what? Uh, I, I think
0: tracks sometimes those those curbs are built to allow drivers out there. I'll be honest. I was watching the Townsville um, race today, Luke, and you were up yeah. there. Um, yep. There's a corner. I don't know where it is because I don't really get. I can't see the track in my head. But there's a there's a corner where they've essentially built a huge concrete runoff for the corner, and it's like, yep. why did you put that there? Why why isn't Exit, that grass? Exit
1: turn seven. Yes. Well, yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah, Look, I I don't know. I I think um, for Especially those European tracks. I mean, you you could probably imagine how dangerous that corner would be if Mm. there wasn't more of an apron there in uh, Austria. I'm talking. I mean, you see, you see the guys make a mistake at the final corner, like George and Quali, and still manages to back it into the fence with the brakes locked up. So, um, it's I suppose it's more of a safety thing. But you just think that with all the tech and everything that we've got, you could come up with with something that would keep them away from it or I, I, I don't know. It's um yeah. yeah, it's a mystery. But every time we go to Austria we the break in suspension components on Curbs because yep. they put stuff there to stop them, or yeah, we've got these these crazy track limits things always cutting in. In. The, end,
0: in the end, I support the track limits. I think it's a great way to run run the race and and run the sport. There's a white line there for a reason. Let let's use it. So we, we've got um uh we've got Ch- uh, Charles uh and and uh Carlos have got in front of Max um but they've made up a you know three and four and five second uh, gap pretty easily. Uh, My point in my notes was Ferrari was utterly dominant. Um, uh, Charles took the lead on lap 53. Um, But five laps later, Carlos's engine literally exploded. I mean, a little bit of smoke pulls over, and then there was an explosion in that engine. Like there's nothing recoverable about. I'm assuming that's the internal combustion engine component there of the power unit, as they call it, Luke. Is that what you would say?
1: oh look it's it's really hard to say with these being these things being so complex now um my dad is going to listen to this and he is a professional race engine builder and actually build some engines for uh, an old ferrari formula one car here in australia um so he's going to have me for not really you You don't normally see the the the
0: bodywork kind of be pushed out by components harry and i think that's that was full on. I mean, the car was on fire. Carlos w- was struggling to get out because the car was rolling back. The master was trying to stop it and then put it out. But it did cause a virtual safety car, which allowed a couple of people to to pull into the pits. By the way, I don't know, but I think an Alonso pitted twice um, in that virtual did safety he? car because he, he only he? had one stop early. And then, early, and then he ended with three. It, it, beca- See, it <laughs> was very weird. I, I don't nice. know. We'll have to watch a full who, replay. Who got fastest lap? Did we? Oh, we I didn't that? look because yeah, did Alonso look. maybe try to do that? Maybe, but anyway, I, I don't know. But I don't know about you, Harry. But apart from the fact, let me be very clear: apart from the go. fact that I had ten dollars on Carlos, Carlos coming oh. second, Leclerc coming first, and Max coming fifth at thirty-five dollars, um, it was pretty pretty disappointing for Ferrari fans, uh, Harry, because. That was a that was a potentially great result for the team and for Carlos. You know, in the in the oh, championship fight, he
2: was like devastated. You could see his yeah. face was just like his soul had left his body. Like he was just completely <laughs> destroyed. I felt so sorry for him. Like he, you know, he, yeah. he sort of, we were texting throughout it, um, and you know, like you're saying, Trev, that it, it's so important for the championship as well. It's not for him. It's not just about a potential race win there you know following up last week or anything like that like this is this is him losing 25 20 points to you know his closest rifle that he's not Charles Leclerc into the championship for him so it's every point matters so he's devastated the car is gonna he's gonna cop some he's probably gonna have some follow on effects with you know engine units um and penalties, penalties down yep. yeah like it's yeah it's devastating for him I mean, yeah. very Ferrari end, though, I will say yeah, it
0: is very, you're right. No, I shouldn't have even thought about that happening um, because it should always go wrong for them. Really shouldn't yeah. it? Charles complained of a yeah. throttle issue. Um, but it actually at no point looked like it affected his times. Um, even when Max was told the issue existed, it didn't seem to spur him on anymore. And here Charles ended up winning with a, about a three second uh, margin over Max Verstappen. Lewis got a podium and, and George Russell fourth, as I said before. Um, I, in the end, I do think it was 71 laps of, of really enjoyable Formula 1. Um, After we go through stuff, I do want to talk about the 2022 cars a little bit, but I, I do think that generally it was super enjoyable to watch. Um, And if you know anyone that doesn't have KO Sports, you're mad uh, not to tell them to get KO Sports because this is where you get every single session, every single race, every single bit of Formula 1 is available on KO Sports. And the most important thing, and I, I've, we've been trying to teach my son this who gets angry when he's in school time and can't watch the races, do you know what? You get up in the morning and you just watch it as as, as if it's live because you can skip, even with quality, you can skip through the first 10 minutes of Q1 so that you just get to the good bit. That's the kind of good stuff that happens with uh, with KO Sports on your PC your smart TV or however you're watching it. Boys, team-wise, um, we talked earlier about Haas, but honestly, Luke, I think their result this weekend in 6th and 8th is a fantastic win for the team and and a real bonus given, as you said, they've potentially got big updates coming and they haven't really done any updates yet this year so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they started the year really strong um, and then they've kind of disappeared into nowhere and then the last two races, it's all sort of started to come good for them. I mean, the fact that, you know, Mick was there fighting, let's – yeah. He was wounded at, at Max Verstappen at Silverstone. And then now this weekend is, is P6, you know, between Esteban Alcon and Lando Norris. That would just give him so much confidence going mm. forward for, for the rest of the season. Um, and K-Mag as well. Like I'm, I was so happy to see K-Mag come back on the grid this this year. Um, and then for, for him to be actually scoring points in that team that was just dilapidated in sort of going nowhere when he when he left it, uh, I, I think is really good. And it will boost the guys inside the factory as well to see that. And um, Who knows how big these updates are that they've got coming. But, uh, yeah, it could be looking good for Haas from the, the midway point on this year.
0: And you really can't measure the the impact that a result like that has on the morale. Um, as you say, back in the yeah. factory, these are the things that really get them motivated and keep them pushed. Uh, there's a couple of teams I think worth pointing out or talking about here, Harry, I've got to say, AlphaTauri looking very disappointing this year, and certainly this race, fifteenth and sixteenth. That's that's not a great result, and likewise, continuing Aston Martin thirteenth and seventeenth. Um, mm. Not great results for those two teams. I think we expected more from this year.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, AlphaTauri is weird, just considering how well Red Bull's going, and yeah. you know the relationship between those two teams, and and the, the driver quality as well, but. In terms of this specific race, I'm pretty sure both Yuki and Gasly got the five second penalties. Um, hmm. For actually, Gasly's was for, for for the beginning of the race and pushing. Uh, who did he push off the track? He pushed someone off. The, oh, Sebastian.
0: Yeah, he, uh, yeah, that was sort of mid
2: race. Yeah, so he got yeah, yeah. a, a five second penalty there, and, and Yuki did for um, track limits as well. So you know, the, their performance could mean that they could have been you know a little bit higher. Still not amazing, but. But yeah, the the Aston's the weird one as well though, just considering the money that's in that team yeah. and just how slow that car is.
0: Oh, that weird. does give yeah. me some satisfaction because I don't really like does, the look yeah. of Florence Stroll, but that's just a personal <laughs> opinion. Um it's just he just oh, he just rubbed me the just, wrong way. Just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I've i not never been a fan of that kind of um I I don't know, wealth extravagance. Um the other team I think worth pointing out here, Luke, is Mercedes. Uh, despite yeah. their overall uh, status in the championship, which I'll get to, this is another great result. This is another consistent result for Mercedes.
1: Yeah, very much so. I suppose they have been a consistent team over the years in terms of their reliability and everything, and now they're starting to show that with the results. And Connor will tell you that I'm a closet Lewis Hamilton fan. So I You're mean, the one. I'm happy. I'm happy to see Lewis on, on the podium, um, and I think it's it's good for George as well, um, and they are kind of setting themselves up to really be, I think, the dark horses in this championship going forward mm. this year, um, definitely keeping their nose in it, and you never know what's going to happen with Red Bull's reliability later in the year as well, mm. so yep. um, yeah, uh, Mercedes will take that, that's a big boost for them this weekend. Now, the reliability.
0: Um, yeah, reliability is what's critical. And and as yeah. you say, Luke, that, that is something that uh, any any problems that Red Bull have will, will pay back badly uh, in penalties, uh, as it is with Ferrari at this point. So if they can keep it up, Mercedes, they're on a good thing. Uh, individual driver-wise, uh, let's let's talk Daniel. Um, I actually think he had a good good weekend. Um, it's not perfect. It's not a great result because he didn't challenge Lando um, as yeah. the race moved on, and it'll be interesting to see what his quotes were about it. But you know what? Uh, Lando went into the um, grid uh, interviews saying, you know, the team's keen on on a double points finish. They got it. Um, uh, Daniel was with and close to to Lando most of the race. But, Harry, is that enough for for people to not feel like he's failing?
2: I mean, at at this point, it's probably not enough. Um, Hmm. If if he went into the season at this point, it probably would have been. But the weird thing is it's not even this race was – yesterday's race the sprint race and how Mm. he he seemed like he was faster the entire race than Lando he's on the radio you know begging in three or four different ways to you know let's just see what's the worst that can happen if you let me in front of him um you know to see what I can do in clean air and they kept just saying oh yeah yeah, we'll get back to you and never did Mm. and so that that was really weird and then even in this race at the start that he seemed to have a bit more pace um and then sort of dropped off just randomly and sort of then st- stuck at a certain pace behind Lando that that was safe enough for his position, but, but not, you know, risking tire degradation and things like that. It was, yeah, th- there's something going on at McLaren that I don't think we're getting the full story with not like full conspiracy, but just something.
0: We, we've we talked this to death uh, week after week, WhatsApp chat after WhatsApp chat. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly think we can, we can overthink it too much. And yeah, overhear what's being said and read too much into everything. Yeah. But Luke, uh, as an observer, as a fan, where where are you at with the Daniel Ricciardo situation? Do you think he's doing enough to stay um, on, on the team's good side?
1: Oh, look, I don't think, you know, performance-wise on track he is. Like, you know, coming to the team with the reputation he's got, you've employed him to, to be there, to, to win races. And... Or not. Uh, Not that we expect McLaren to win, but we expected him to be the leader of the team, right? So, he's not doing that. He is the only driver that's won a race for McLaren in 10 years. So, you can't say that he hasn't ticked some KPIs off (laughs) his contract. (laughs) Uh, That's a pretty big one. You know, Lando had the chance to win in Russia last year and he didn't do it. So... You know, Daniel's the one that's got them to that stage So, and Zach Brown took that serious enough to get a tattoo on his arm so um, look, I think that there's heaps of overreaction in the media and I hate the clickbait that I see about him because I Bravo, feel like yep, especially agreed. the mm. Aussie media need to be behind our only F1 driver considering we oh, do Oscar in there yet no, absolutely mm. mate, that is, that is Australia for you unfortunately and we need to be supporting the guy, and I I really hope that McLaren do support him and try and you know work with him and give him a car that he can be competitive with next year. And hopefully, all these rumors are just bullshit. Really, yeah, um, simple as that. That's my view on the whole thing.
0: All right, look, uh, driver standings wise, this this is you know it's fascinating. Um, Max Verstappen now leads the championship championship on two hundred eight points ahead of Charles Leclerc on one hundred and seventy. So I don't have Connor's math skills, but I think that's a 38-point lead. Um, Sergio Perez on 151, Carlos signs on 133. You can see the disappointment there because so Carlos could have bumped, you know, huge. a little bit closer to Sergio and he been still he within reach. He
2: would have past him, right, if he came second?
0: Uh, what second? Get you 18 or 20? I'd have done He would have have bumped past him. He would have been even or or bumped past him, you know, one of the two uh, which would have been quite satisfying. George Russell, fifth, Lewis Hamilton, sixth, Lando, seventh, Esteban Ocon, eighth, Valtteri Bottas, ninth, and Fernando Alonso, tenth uh, in the driver's championship. Constructor-wise, Red Bull Racing, 359, Ferrari, 303, and Mercedes, 237. And I think while they're big gaps, right? Basically, you know, fifty to 70, 80 points between, you know, first and second, and second and third. It's 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 not enough to be com, to be complacent in any way, shape or form. Because any reliability issues, any major penalties, is going to allow for, um, Ferrari to drop back or Red Bull to drop back, and, and Mercedes to be ready to pounce. That's that's kind of what's exciting about that top three. I think McLaren, by the way, are now equal with. Alpine on 81. So Alpine and McLaren are now equaled up because of Esteban's performance there basically wow. and Fernando getting a point um, with uh, the, the battle for for that position well well run and won basically uh, this time of year anyway and going into the half year with Alfa Romeo. Haas has 34 points ahead of Alfa Tauri, um, Aston Martin and Williams. So Gunther would be very happy with seventh in the championship, I think, Harry.
2: Oh, he'd be stoked. Like he... I think, you know, if you told him he was going to be seventh this time last year, I think he had a quote somewhere about how he'd feel about that. And I don't think it was very, very family friendly um, what he would do. So that's <laughs> no, really great to see him there. But it's just the, the, the it's, it's Williams number 10 there just makes me sad. Just the lone single yeah. digits.
0: Yeah. It's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. <laughs> yeah,
2: Boys, before we go,
0: here, go on, Luke. Uh, oh, yeah, go. No, go. go. K
2: Mag is P11
1: in the points. No. I didn't realise that. He's just in front of Danny Rick and he's only seven points off Alonso in 10th. That's huge.
0: Thing is, no one remembers who came second, let alone 10th.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, but for Haas, you've got to take it where you, where you can get it.
0: <laughs> look, bad. you know what that is? That's a bad look yeah. for Daniel. You know, 12th place, he would never have, you know, one of those, you know, preseason. Yeah. write this in an envelope, we'll open at the end of the season. There's no way he would have wanted for a, a position in, yeah. at, or, or outside no of way. the ten. No, so that's, what,
2: that's what happens when you you know you your only points are really coming from the bottom of the, the ten there because you're not getting yeah. any of those races Tiny. where you collect like ten at once or something at least mm. to, yeah. to prop you up and you still you know if someone you just need one person to come fourth one time and all of a sudden you you've dropped five spots in the on the, yeah, on the standings.
0: On. The thing I think I, I, we have to talk about quickly is the 2022 cars and Harry. You, you mentioned it to me during the race, and I think that Luke, we we. We've been wanting for this, and I don't think we've seen it yet, but I think, and I said this last race, congratulations to Ross Braun and the team. Silverstone proved the cars are great, and I think this has reiterated that. These cars are fast. They are able to be raced side by side, um, nose to tail. There's there's none of this, you know, I've got to back off for 10 laps because I'm too close for so long. You know, I I feel like all that stuff that was so annoying about the Formula 1 cars Mm. of the last generation – is gone, and Luke, we've got cars that can that can battle.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, one of the other exclamation points I've got on my notes here is that Alonso, K-Mag, Joe, Schumacher and Lando battle that was going on. Yeah. You know, like how often have we seen five cars being able mm. to fight so closely together in a scenario like that? Uh, I mean, like I was standing up off my couch yelling at the TV when we had that <laughs> The, the Lewis and Charles and and thing going on, or Perez, whoever it was at the, the end of yeah. that Silverstone race. Um, and, you know, I only ever really do that in a MotoGP race. So the fact that I'm starting to do that now in F1, um, and I, I think that little five-way battle was really good. And I think, like, Lando ended up coming from, like, four cars back in that to pass around the outside at yes. turn three. And I think that's because that it was,
0: there was so much to look at in the mirrors. Like, where do you look? Yeah. Fernando, I think there's a point where Fernando swamped around both sides and behind. He, he doesn't know where to look, and that allows Lando to dart somewhere in. Exactly. But, but I think, Harry, what I took from that was what an amazing set of regs we've got for these cars doing what they're meant to be doing. But also, these are great drivers because there was not a single – uh, in those incidents, oh, the only times we had cars going off was, you know, wheel-to-wheel corner on, on a corner as opposed to these kind of racing incidents happen into and out of a corner. Do you know what I mean? Like I felt like it was really strong, clean driving in those battles with three or four cars in them, Harry.
2: It was excellent. Like it was really like a different standard. And it, I think this year it must be something to do with these cars and and how, to, how easy they are to control is mm. that I've never felt really this season at any point in in dry anyway that that cars are gonna you know pile up into each other um but in saying that these and i said this last week these these cars have looked so much better on these classic race tracks than they have Mm -hmm. on any of these other these other city tracks and street circuits that we've been to and it's it's almost a bad thing for formula one in the sense of you know, we're we're taking you to these tracks where the cars don't perform anywhere near as well as they do at the tracks we're taking off the calendar. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the good,
0: the good thing is, Luke, the next track, uh, Circuit de Paul card, is a racetrack. Um, feels to me like, and maybe I'm a, just an idiot here, but it feels to me like it could have a, an air of Silverstone to it because it's got some long twisty turn, long long kind of fast turns. It's got some tight yep. stuff. It's got some long straights. I feel like we could have the same, this same level of racetrack performance um, that we got at Silverstone, um, and it should be a third in the row. It should be another good race.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to have, and then like Hungary being after that as well, I find was is, is going to be like it's an older sort of track as well, so it's going to be quite an exciting Grand Prix. Um, and I, I think to Harry's point with, you know, like whether it's good or bad for F1, I mean, some of the tracks that we're adding to the calendar, like Max's home circuit that came on last year, like that is an old school track that's been revamped, right? So, you know, like we, I think ho- hopefully we will see these cars continue to perform and be able to race as as they are. And I, I, I tend to agree that the new circuits just don't kind of promote this the same type of racing. And when I listened to the podcast last week, I, um, it really made me think about it when, when Harry was, was talking because I was like, yeah, actually that's, you know, the old school tracks are the ones that, that seem to produce the racing. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can put as many pretty lights up around a street circuit as you want, and make it look awesome with the fireworks and everything, but nothing's done what Silverstone did last week.
0: Spot on circuit. Um, it is Paul Ricardo we're at next week, next week, next Grand Prix, isn't it? Yeah, it just All says right, Lenovo yeah. Grand Prix France, uh, yeah. um, on the twenty uh, fourth of July. So we've got a, a couple of weeks for that one, um, and it feels like it's not going to be another Tour de France race for uh, Connor. So we'll be back and we'll talk uh, Formula One again, hopefully at another great racetrack with another set of great racing and another full weekend of just overall excitement. It's another eleven o'clock race, so it's not the end of the world. It's not a, it's not a shocking time zone. Um I'm I'm energized, boys, by by a great weekend of Formula One. Um and uh, looking forward to a few more this year, boys. Uh it's been a great weekend, a great race and um a good chat. Best, best Harry, race. Luke
1: Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Can can I just ask you boys, what is what is your opinion on the racing this year in terms of the way the drivers have been treating each other and this whole new thing where all, a lot of the guys seem to be migrating to the way that Max is driving. And I'm talking specifically about cars running each other off the exit of the corner.
0: It's a very good I, question. I mean, uh, Harry, Harry, I think that from my point of view, I think they've all started to realize that he's getting away with a bit. They've found what his his limit is in terms of what he does get away with. Um, and I think they also realized that they've got to race that way. But it's yeah. interesting because there was a lot of opportunities for that today i think the couple of spins today weren't in, in any way that style i think they were just unfortunate um you know whether it was visibility or whatever i don't think there, there was any aggression in those at all frankly um but i think oh, i want to see more send it so bring it on what do you reckon, Harry?
2: Yeah, I think you're completely right about the fact that, you know, they're seeing what he's getting away with and going, well, you know, if this guy's freaking can do that, then, then I can too. And we, we, especially with Charles today, I think that mentality came into, mm. ironically enough, the move he did to overtake Max.
0: Um, a very Max move. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I also yeah. think it's encouraged some other little cheekier things, which I, I really enjoy as well. And, you know, Fernando's always been a bit cheeky, but I think he tries to get away with more now than he ever would before. And we even saw with this one, he was starting at the, you started 20th and he was going especially slow, you know, coming to the formation. <laughs> I noticed that. So he'd have the warmer tires, like ready to, to fly off the grid. It yeah. worked for him. But like <laughs> cheeky things like that, I think, come yeah. out of it as well, which I, I really enjoy.
0: Well, a good. Uh, lots of racing is good racing. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Bring it on. Um, what's your next race from the TCRs? Luke, when's that? Uh, we
1: are up at Queensland Raceway on August fifth to seventh. So uh, if anyone's up in Brisbane, feel free to to get in touch and uh, happy to take anyone for a, a pit tour uh, around my Hyundai i thirty TCR car.
0: Beautiful. You can follow Luke on Instagram uh, at Luke King Racing. Harry, Luke, great weekend, great race, and uh, let's do it again uh, at uh, France, boys. Looking thanks for the chat.
1: Bon voyage. Good.